0: Hi, I'm Pastor Kenneth Olusayel of the Vivified Ministries, and it is my joy that your heart is awakened to the finished works of Christ with such powerful simplicity. Are you ready? All right, here we go. All right, right away, I want you to just open your Bibles with me very quickly. Just open your Bibles with me very quickly. I want us to read a very, very, very powerful scripture. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 17 from verse 14 downwards till verse 20. Glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah. Are you there? Matthew chapter 17 from verse 14. All right, I'm going to read it very quickly, so just follow along as I read. Matthew 17 from verse 14. When they came to the crowd, so this is Jesus and his disciples. They were moving, they were traveling, doing the work of ministry. In verse 14, they came to a crowd and a man pushed his way out of the crowd, right? He approached Jesus and knelt before him. Verse 15, Lord, have mercy on my son. He said, he has seizures and suffering and he's suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water so this demonic manifestation was such that sometimes this child will be moved to just play with fire you know sometimes he just wants to be drowned in, in water so he's at just leaving him alone is very risky and imagine having to take care of that kind of person for as long as he can remember verse 16 I brought him to your disciples so he's reported disciples to Jesus I, I, I brought this guy Uh, I brought my son to your disciples, uh, but they could not heal him for some reason. And verse 17, Jesus replied this way, you unbelieving and perverse generation. Like you you would think that his response is, you said, you that you're bringing your son. My, My disciples, they're just, you know, upcoming babies. You know, they're just learning this thing brand new. You know, I just taught them. How to heal the sick last week. Come on, cut them some slack. That was not his response. It was almost like he was so shocked that, th- that they couldn't do this thing. He had almost high expectations. He was like, you unbelieving and perverse generation. Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? And this reminds me of a time when Jesus was in the boat, and the disciples were also there. There was a storm raging, and they thought they were going to die. And they're like, Jesus, how can you be sleeping at a time like this when we're about to die? And Jesus said the same thing: Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I tarry with you? He said the same thing here. And then he says, Bring the boy here to me. Jesus, verse 18, rebuked the demon. And it came out of the boy. And he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive it out? They came to Jesus. So, at the end of the day, I'm going to highlight something as we go on. But just read with me. Verse 19. Then the disciples came and met him. And they asked, Why couldn't we do what you just did right now? Like We probably did all that we could, but... Still didn't happen. And Jesus replied, verse 20. He didn't, let me not get ahead of myself. (laughs) Let me not get ahead of myself. Let's Let's just share a word of prayer right now. Precious Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for your word that we're about to study. Thank you for the truth we're about to unveil. Thank you because your word is not just educational. It's not just informative. It is transformational. Thank you because your word never leaves us the same way it met us. Thank you because we are better by the ministration of your word. I pray that everyone listening to me right now will apply their hearts to all that they will hear. Not just hearing these words, but we'll practice it. We'll do something. will be active to us of the word in the name of Jesus. And it's all to your glory. I pray that we will see tremendous results because we choose a life of faith. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Glory to God. Uh, Welcome again once once more. Look, this series that we've had has been a month of faith. And I really hope somehow that these teachings have done something in your life because it has changed my perspective in many ways. Just studying, understanding the biblical perspective of faith. And if if this is your first one in this month, I, I beg you, don't just... I mean, stay for, for this night. You should listen to this one. But after this, right away, go to the first teaching and the second and the third and fourth. Consume every single thing because it's, it's a build up from where we started. And look, many testimonies are already rolling in personal, private testimonies. And we, I, I, I will share them in due time. But at the end of the day, this thing works. You, you know, the word of God can't change your heart. God wants to do with this teaching series. A, a serious eradication of doubt where you have skepticisms where you feel like on that like you're on notice where you feel like the delays are a sign that God is not working in your favor I really hope to God that this teaching series helps to clear all of that out to silence the voice of the devil in your life and I pray that that's exactly what's gonna happen in Jesus name alright so let's go to verse 20 We're in Matthew chapter 17 from verse 20 for those of you who are just joining in and this is what he says he replied to them the reason why you guys could not cast out this devil was not because you had a knowledge problem was not because you didn't probably see me do it before the problem was your faith it was not that you didn't have the power or the information it was your faith In verse 20, he said, because you have so little faith, so little faith, then he goes on to say, truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. If you have faith as little as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Be moved, and it will move, and nothing shall be impossible for you. Now, it, it sounds very contradictory just thinking about it. It sounds very contradictory. He said the reason why they couldn't do this is because they had so little faith. Then he says, If you have faith as little as a mustard seed, and I'm sure maybe if they didn't understand what he was trying to say, they'll be like, <laughs> it didn't work because we had little faith and now you're telling me that i need to have little faith that doesn't make sense but there's more to this than meets the eye and i will explain as we go um let me just give you an idea of what a mustard seed is a mustard seed is a seed yeah (laughs) i should get 10 points for that (laughs) a mustard seed is a seed when um, many of you eat hot dogs and all of that, you know what mustard is, right? You the yellow uh, confectionery that you take, uh, yeah, condiment, all of that. That's where you get it from. You get it from a mustard seed. And the mustard seed is so small. It's about one to two millimeters in diameter. It's, it's literally, the, aside from orchids, it's the smallest seed in the world. The smallest. You can barely hold it, all right? It's so small. But the the tricky thing about this seed is that when you plant it, it takes about 60 days for it to fully grow. But when you plant it, it can reach up to 30 feet tall. It can reach that high. Just to give you perspective, I'm six feet. I think I am, I hope I am. (laughs) But last I checked, I think so. I'm six feet tall. So like times five of my height, Is where this mustard tree reaches that tall it's incredible and I think that there's so much to learn from this parable this analogy that Jesus is bringing in about the mustard seed and when you hear that something as small as a mustard seed can move something as big as a mountain it it sounds illogical but there's a principle behind this thing that Jesus is talking about there's a principle right the first thing I will say that this talks about is that it talks about potential. What this mustard seed narrative and analogy implies, first of all, is potential. In the sense that something as small as a seed, when you plant it, can bring something so big, it's potential. It's something that people might underestimate. When you see the size of a mustard seed, you're like, come on, come on, no!" you can't tell me. That this thing would amount to this. It's almost similar to how some people's lives look like, where people just look down on you and say, no, not exactly. I don't think you're going to amount to, any, to anything great at all. And then somehow by the providence of God, it happens that you become something big. So people see this, see the seed and see the tree and they're like, no, this. how does this happen? it it talks of potential it has great potential it looks little it looks silly it looks foolish but it has so great potential in accomplishing what it's supposed to be being becoming what it's supposed to be the second implication is that it speaks of the 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 volume of investment uh and let me let me just let me just explain this and, and make it simpler When I say the volume of investment, when it comes to moving a mountain, the logical thing that you think about is, let's get a bulldozer, if if that's going to help. Let's get a bulldozer, let's get some drilling machines, some boring machines to drill down, We build and dig a trench around the mountain get an excavator around all the edges of the mountain and and try to lift it and move it. That sounds at least a bit logical. It it makes some scientific or technological sense. But that you're telling me that level of investment, it's not all this hard work. It's not all these calculations. It's not all this civil engineering. All I have to do is just believe it and trust that it will happen. And it will happen. Come on. Come on, you can't tell me that that's what it is. And Jesus is trying to use a principle. Now, let let me put this in the scenario that the disciples were going through. Think about it. These guys just recently had been given power by Jesus to do miracles. But it came upon this guy who was possessed of the demon. And somehow they couldn't do it. What exactly happened? Now, they've seen Jesus heal the sick, right? They've seen Jesus do wonderful miracles what happened this time around why was it that this guy couldn't be free of this devil Jesus said it was because they had little faith and and in actual fact the word and the terminology so little faith here actually means you didn't have faith it's like when you say little or nothing so this wasn't that there was actual faith it was like your faith was intangible and it's non-existent that's actually what the phrase here it's one word in the greek so little faith it's the this, this so little uh faith just means non-existent faith all right and, and and that means that to do things that god will have you do doesn't actually require much it just requires a little bit of investment a little bit of investment in of your trust in god of your belief in god it just means you thinking about what has happened if you're in the disciples shoes you need to remember and recall the times he's healed the sick the leper did raised the dead and also cast out devils and just remember that look if jesus can do it I, I can also do this as well i can believe this and that is the mustard seed it's literally stepping out of the realm of the ordinary and just taking a little step further and saying you know what i can this can happen I trust that this power of Jesus can get this man healed. Even if Jesus didn't tell me specifically, go and do this, I believe that by watching him and the power that he has also conferred on me, I can do the same thing. It takes just a little step of faith. Praise the name of Jesus. But there's something similar to this, and I'm going to expand it much. I'm, I'm going somewhere. All right. There's something that is similar to the mustard seed kind of faith. It's also um, many times alluded to childlike faith. And childlike faith is something very special. It's something that all of us at some point in our lives we've experienced. We've, we've, we've gone through that phase. And look at the scripture in Matthew chapter 18. Can you just open there with me? This is literally the next chapter after where we read it. Jesus used this as a, a means to just build up from where he stopped. After he talked about mustard seed faith you know, children were in his midst, and he just took advantage of that situation to explain much more the kind of faith he expected from his disciples. So look at verse 1, Matthew 18. At the same time, came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? It was like some sort of rivalry that was going on with them, some sort of competition. And You you know, disciples wanted to know who's the greatest. Like, you know, Peter has done his part, John does his part, Andrew is the one that does this for you? He checks this. Who at the end of the day will be the greatest? In verse 2, Jesus called a little child unto himself. He, he, he looked around, he was like, hmm, Bring that child to me. And brought the child in the middle of them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children. You shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. This blows my mind every time. And look, I know this is not a teaching on humility, but you can't teach faith without teaching humility. You can't teach trust in God without teaching humility. You can't even teach prayer without teaching humility because at the end of the day, prayer is an expression of trust and humility is an expression of trust as well. Do you understand? For you to trust someone, you need to humble yourself. You need to come to a place where you realize, look, without this person or this thing, I can't do anything. And so you put your trust in that thing and the way to express your trust is through prayer do you understand that analogy but back to what i'm saying he said if you can humble yourself and strip yourself of of so much that all you see is trust and faith you are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven if you can become like this little children let me give you let me just ask you a question what are some of the things that growing up you've always just thought to be true because There was someone that you trusted so much that told you that thing was true, and you believed it. One of the lies that they told me, and and I'll just say them as they come to mind, was that um, zebras, right? The animal, the zebra, is actually a horse that was painted white and black. That every zebra you see, someone painted it black and white. Um, I think when I was growing up, um, I remember seeing a white man. You know growing up uh, i saw a white man and i remember it was the same uncle that said that's that's what the zebras are for that to bring black and white people together or something that it's still hazy in my mind and i believed him i believed the lie that this rubber bands that you know people use for their hair or that the rubber bands when you put them on your on your hand it sucks your blood and that the red rubber band is the one that is full of blood <laughs> I've heard so many things. I was deceived, you were deceived. Um, life. For those of you who grew up thinking, I think my parents did pull this one on me, uh, the, the tooth fairy thing. They didn't call it the tooth fairy, but all I knew was that any time I had a broken tooth, I will put it underneath my pillow and when I wake up, I'm seeing hundreds of hair there. I, I still remember very vividly and I was told that it was, I think my parents said it was the angel of the Lord or something, I, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, and you know all these things, many times we believe these things so much that even to a point, by the time we grow older, it only, you have to intentionally step back and be like, wait, wait, this thing is not true. For those of you who they told that if you touch a girl, as a guy, you touch a girl, you get her pregnant. I don't know if they told you that one. Is it true? <laughs> by the time we did sex education, you found out that that was, the, that was far Well, yeah, not that kind of touch anyways, but you get the point. The thing is, as children, when you grow up, it's easy to believe. It's easy to believe. And it's the fact that, look, you don't really have a reason to doubt. When you see someone that makes sense, that is somewhat trustworthy, you put everything there. You just trust. In fact, there's even this trust that we have. I remember we used to have this thing where we go to school. And then we start to just compare and say, my daddy can beat your own daddy. Yes, my daddy, my daddy will beat your daddy. I know my daddy, my daddy is strong, can beat your daddy. My daddy has more money than your own daddy. You know, all these things, we can only say those things because we trust. We trust them. (laughs) You understand? We we trust our parents. And it's, it's with time, with more experiences, negative situations, that somehow we start to think again. Can I really trust this person? Many of you, even before you entered relationships or you started dating, you, the first person you dated, you, you trusted, even though you had heard things before, but you had not gone through that experience. You dated, and sadly, if that relationship went sour and you broke up, the next one you would have, ap- you know, you would approach it with a different mindset. You'd be like, "Hmm, hmm. you're fine, you know? you're nice, though, but." <laughs> Let me just, you know, take some more time. And maybe that one didn't work out well. And then the more it happens, the hard, more hardened you get, the more doubtful you are, and the harder it is for you to trust. But as a child, literally, you, you don't have a reason to not believe that the rubber band is sucking your blood. You have no reason. It, it, someone said it, you believe it. <laughs> That's just how it works. It's the kind of reckless faith if i were you where somehow we just trust completely you just trust completely i believe that that's the kind of faith that god is talking about and that jesus is introducing to his disciples it it might seem little but it's so valuable that's the point it's the mustard seed can seem so little but the value in it is so great it reaches 30 feet tall That's what he's trying to say. You can trust. Your trust goes a long way and it's valuable to God. Praise the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Childlike faith. I'll just mention three things about childlike faith. I mentioned the first one. It is without doubt. These are some characteristics of childlike faith. It is without doubt, without skepticism. It literally believes what it sees. It believes all things. It trusts all things. That's how it is. Childlike faith is, is the kind that it might seem silly, but I believe it. And funny enough, you know, in the context of which Jesus was speaking, he was talking about the kingdom of heaven. If you're not like a child, you will not get into the kingdom of heaven. And that almost talks about, that talks about salvation. It's in the space of salvation, uh, re- reconciliation and all of that. And, and that just tells me because the, the, according to 1 Corinthians, when Paul was explaining what the gospel was, he called the gospel foolish. That's how he called it. It's, it's foolish. It's foolishness. And God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. How can you tell me that some man 2,000 years ago plus came to the earth, God became a man in, in, in him, and he went to die on a cross, and whoever believes in some act he did 2,000 years ago will be saved forever and live forever. That doesn't make sense to the logical man, to the natural man all right but until you can become like a child and believe that this thing that seems naturally foolish is actually the means through which salvation is given to humanity then you become the greatest in the kingdom of heaven that's the perspective of god this is a love language i've told you about this is his love language faith but the first characteristic that you think of when it comes to childlike faith is that it's it's without doubt. It's without skepticism. It's, it's 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 without all of that. Number two, it is total. It is total. It is complete. A, a child completely trusts um, in their father. I don't know if you've watched this show um, back when we are younger. They don't do it. They don't air it anymore. It's called uh, This Life. It was on, uh, I forgot the channel. Was it NTA or... But it was this life. Oh, this life. Yes, And Before they start, they do the same where there's this um, man who is there and his son is stuck on the roof. They never tell us how he got to the roof. <laughs> He's just on the roof. And the father looks at him and says, My son, come, jump down and I'll catch you. And the son is, Papa, are you sure? Yes. And maybe that's not a perfect example of him because a child like kind of faith we're not going to ask are you sure but this guy asked yeah, you know are you sure i should jump down and said come on, i'll catch you and the son jumped and the father moved away and this guy landed on his leg and he, t- he told him he said never trust anyone not even your father and i'm like man this is this is the worst lesson to teach your child and that's why a lot of people this and this might sound like it's a joke but it's very serious. This is why a lot of people go around having trust issues because the literal example, literal earthly example to represent God on the earth, the Father in the house, is not showing the example where and, and creating the environment where people can trust him. And so that's why a lot of people today have issues trusting God. And maybe you listening maybe that's a problem of yours you find it hard to trust people not and even more so to trust god and that's because the fatherly figures in your life have not been the perfect example look i'm trying to tell you this that god is faithful and you can trust him totally you can trust him completely he will catch you he will catch you and you can trust that he's not like men god is faithful and you can put total faith in him so so, childlike faith is total, it's complete, it's all in. It's all my eggs in your basket, all my eggs in your frying pan. Look, and, and when it's done, it's going to be a nice omelette. That's exactly what it's like. It's it's putting all that you have and all that you are into one thing. It's the day that they tell you, look, don't put everything into crypto, put it in real estate, put it in this, in agriculture. With God, you can put everything it's fine. That's, just look... <laughs> that whatever you put in can never crash amen it can never it can never it can never crash praise the name of jesus you know um that's the second thing i'll say about this number 2 childlike faith is confident childlike faith is confident it's it's the kind that i like i mentioned when you know that your daddy is going to beat this person it's the kind of faith that i believe david had when he confronted goliath he came to goliath Who does that this guy has not fought another human being but he's fought animals. He's fought the bear He's fought the lion, you know on several occasions and he's coming before this man who has been trained in war Naturally, you should lose Your mind and you should lose your core, but he he approaches him and he says you come to me with you Uncircumcised Philistine you come with me with spear and sword Ah, big mistake I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts of of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Who who talks like that except you have confident trust in the name of the Lord. He didn't say, I have confidence in my sling and this stone that I have picked. I have confidence in the name of the Lord. He said, I will bring your head. Who talks like that unless you have childlike faith? Praise the name of Jesus. Now i want to read a scripture to you very very similar and this is if there's any scripture that you will read on faith you can't miss this one out you have to you have to read this one it's in mark chapter 11 we're going to read from verse 12 to verse 24 very very quickly so just stay with me open your bibles please open your bibles mark chapter 11 from verse 12. the next day as they were leaving bethany jesus was hungry uh, seen in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out that he had no fruit. It was the season for fig, fig figs to have fruit, but this one didn't have. And he was very hungry. And when he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Right? Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Now, there, there are many arguments about this. Like, why, why did Jesus do that? It, it, literally, it was not the season for figs. It was not the fig, fig tree's fault. But somehow, was Jesus angry? or What was he doing here? I, I can't like, tell you right now. Um, but let's move on and see what the rest of the scripture says. But he, he was upset. He cursed the tree. And that happened right verse 15 on reaching jerusalem jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were selling and buying there he overturned the tables and, and all of that let's go to verse 20 right after he did all his uh exciting work whipping people out verse 20 in the morning as they went along they saw the fig tree withered from its roots and Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, <laughs> look, the fig tree you cursed, it's withered. Oh my goodness. Jesus Christ. And he said that, and Jesus was like, Yes. <laughs> That's a joke, sorry. Um, but yeah, that happened. And he was like, Look, the fig tree has withered. And Jesus was like, huh. Look at the, his response in verse And this is the attitude with which he said, I'm very sure. faith in god you guys like have faith in god you know and that's another um point some people say that this is a scripture where jesus was literally saying that he is god like have faith in me you know if i said it it was going to happen you know But that's by the way this is a a deity jesus's deity, kind of scripture but look at verse 23 truly i tell you If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea. This is similar, isn't it? Similar to his mustard seed teaching, right? And does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen. They don't doubt in their heart, but they believe completely that what they say will happen. It will be done for them. He says it as a general principle, a trustworthy principle. Verse 24, therefore, I tell you, whatsoever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. This is a secret that Jesus is teaching. It's a secret that he's teaching. He he, he, he starts saying it and it's easy to say, oh, this is positive speaking positive confession speak things into being speak things into motion now he conf- he confines it and says no 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 whatever you ask for in prayer to God believe that you have received it and it will be yours guys this is the principle of the mustard seed if you're going to see results in your life and it And have an effective prayer life where literally you can track the answers to your prayers to the prayer requests you can say this happened as a result of this prayer that I made this is the link between them it's your faith it's your faith it's your trust in God to believe that what you have asked for you have received it's your faith and this is a a very crucial teaching that I want you to have there's a way to pray that, that is effective and brings results. You can pray for a thing, but look, the, the, you can't accommodate room for doubts. You can't. And I know you hear the story of the man who needed help, and he says, God help me, son of David. I, I believe, but help my unbelief. I understand. And that was a case that we can also, you know, um, find as an example that there are times when Unbelief wants to set in, and you can pray away. But the, the bottom line is that if if there is to be results for the things that you pray about, doubt cannot be present. You can't have doubt there. It's 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 going to mess it all up. Imagine having a white shirt, and then you have you know palm oil on it. It stains the whole thing. It messes it up. Imagine you have nice food. Maybe nice bowl of soup, or someone pours uh, antibacterial or antiseptic um, liquid into it. It spoils the whole thing. You can't eat it anymore. That's kind of what doubt looks like when it comes to faith. So yes, if there's doubt there, address it and get rid of it till all that is left is your faith and trust in God. Remove all the skepticism, all the doubt. The whole point is this. If you say something, that something would happen, you pray something to happen, and you don't doubt in your heart, You will have what you have said. That is the principle Jesus is teaching here. Praise the name of Jesus. But the truth is, I feel like as much as this is in itself sufficient, I need to introduce you to some reasons why you can actually trust God. And I know that some of you, you are enjoying your life. It's beautiful. You trust God with all that you have. But I'm telling you, as time goes on, there will be more challenges, bigger challenges than the last more immediate personal challenges for some people and I'm, I'm not praying bad for anyone god forbid that this will happen but for many people you've you've only just experienced a nice time like a relatively good experience in your life things have been easy a lot of success you know maybe you heard someone passed away it was just someone that you knew about someone was very sick you know you knew about it but things start to get serious when it's personal when it's people that you know when it's things that concern you that's when it starts to get personal and that's where your faith will need to come alive that's where to be tried that's where to be to be tested do you understand but i need to remind you whether you are that person that has trusted god for so long or you are literally just trying to get back to trusting god again look i need to show you the reasons why you can trust him why you can put faith in him and i want to start with just a if, few if points and doesn't it make sense that for you to put faith in someone you need to first know who that person is right there are some people that want to hear about it mm, don't even try it don't give that guy your money he will run away with it but some people are like no please by all means that guy you know, if it's him do know it, he's, he's going to handle it as well I trust him you can trust him too. So the, the, the characteristics of the person in question is what inspires trust, is what inspires faith. So I want to introduce you to who God is in a, in a more personal and deep way. The first thing I would say is God is faithful. God is faithful. When you say someone is faithful, it means that what they have said they will do, they set out to do, they will do it without a doubt. And when you read the scriptures alone, you see hundreds and hundreds of things that God had already said he would do that he did. Prophecies, hundreds and hundreds of prophecies that can be tracked. If it's only just the Messianic prophecies, the prophecies about Jesus, that's more than enough. That's more than enough to say that if God says he will do something, he will do it. Right? He is faithful. And I'll just show you the scripture. Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 22. Oh glory to God! Before I read Hebrews ten twenty two, let's go to Titus chapter one verse two. Very very quick uh, scripture, Titus chapter one from verse two. Oh glory to God! This is good. This is so good. In the hope of eternal life, which God, I love how Paul writes this. In the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie i god who cannot lie promised long ages ago so he's talking about eternal life that god who cannot lie promised so the 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 clause there is look he is faithful he, he didn't lie about this thing called eternal life if he said he would give it long ages ago trust that he's going to it. Praise the name of Jesus. We who have believed have received eternal life. Amen. It says that those whosoever believes in him will not perish, but what have everlasting life. If you believe in him, you have everlasting life. Praise the name of Jesus. Hebrews chapter 10, from verse 22 to verse 23. It says, Let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience right so i love the terminology it says let us draw near to the lord with full assurance of faith not just any faith, but the, the faith that is fully assured like i i can truly count on god for this having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water verse 23 let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful that promised so the the, the 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 place for us to hold fast in the profession of our faith is hinged upon the fact that he is faithful that promised. He is faithful that promised. He who cannot lie and has promised this thing is faithful. Praise the name of Jesus. Can you just say this to yourself? God is faithful. Can you say it louder? God is faithful. He is, he truly is. Every promise will not be left unfulfilled. If God promised it, and and this is something that I learned very early, and and, and thank God for a very good earthly father that I had. There was a time where PlayStation, um, PlayStation Two came out, um very nearly it was very pricey, very expensive. This was two thousand and what now? Maybe two thousand seven, two thousand eight, maybe. Or something like six, and then he he said that if we can no, it's earlier than that. If we can do well, you know, you know, come first in our class, do this, do this, this, he was going to get it for us, and it was expensive. Like, how is he going to do that, Trevor? I said, okay, no problem. And I read, I read, I worked hard. I remember, and I did it. I came first in my class, and two days after, my dad comes back home picks us up from school and says open the boots like okay (laughs) and maybe we thought like there was something heavy that we needed to carry inside and we open it and there was our playstation 2 and let me tell you this like track record if my dad says he was going to do something he will do it and that's something i learned very early to do as well if i say i'll do something i make sure i do it but how much more god much more god who is truly faithful who cannot lie praise the name of jesus that's the god you serve number two reason why you can trust god is that he's immutable he is immutable what the word um, immutable means or immutability means is not being able to change change changeless. that's what it means malachi chapter three from verse six i'll read this very quickly For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. I, the Lord, do not change. He wasn't telling them that I don't change. And that's the reason why you have not suffered this. If he didn't change, also his promises to them, sons of Jacob, hadn't changed as well. Do you understand? That was the point. Um, James chapter 1 from verse 17. Every good thing... Um, Given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of lights with whom there's no variation or shifting shadow. The KJV says in whom there's no shadow of turning. Right? This is this simply means he doesn't he doesn't vary. He he stays the same. He's not shifting his mindset or his perspective. Hmm, what would I do today? I'll do this today. Hmm, tomorrow no, I'm gonna change that. He's not that kind of person if he's who he says he is and he's who he is forever. He doesn't change. Um, Hebrews chapter thirteen from verse eight, it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. It tells you he is immutable. He doesn't change. All right. Hebrews chapter six. This one is a very good one. Hebrews six from verse sixteen to eighteen. I hope you're taking note of the scriptures. Hebrews chapter six from verse sixteen to eighteen. For men verily swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife right so if you want to swear you can just swear by someone who's higher than you you can swear by Shongo or thor or whoever you believe in um but wherein in verse 17 god willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of the promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed his promise by an oath that by two immutable things in which it it was impossible for god to lie it's echoing what was said earlier we might have a strong consolation look at that who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us This, this is so comforting the the fact that god is immutable and he doesn't change and he cannot lie his comfort for us to know that we can trust him he won't change He has never failed on his promises it's not going to start now he loved us very much at the very beginning even before you know why we're yet sinners It's still the same God he still loves us he cared about us then he still cares about us now he gives life he still gives life now he healed the sick he still heals the sick now it doesn't change he doesn't change the immutability of god in fact this is the very foundation on which we can trust god in any situation because he doesn't change and his track record has been consistent so far and it means we can predict his track record yes people say he's mysterious in all his ways but let me tell you the god that i know he's not so mysterious (laughs) you can predict god because He has told us the things that he will do, and for sure he will do those things. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Number three. So the first thing I mentioned was what? That he is faithful. Number two is that he is immutable. Number three is this. He can relate. And this is a very important one. I I feel like a lot of people don't emphasize this as much, but God can relate. Right? I, I mean... Who if I if I present two people to you, you have two friends, right? And both friends of yours are decent, very nice people, great people, they have good advice, they always have good counsel, but you had an issue with lust, right? Well let me not use lust. Maybe you uh maybe you yeah, maybe you had issues with your academics. Let me bring it that way. Maybe the schoolwork somehow you put in all the work, all the effort, but you are still not seeing the grades you want. You are still getting your Fs, your Ds, your Cs. It's it's just not working out. And then you have two of these friends, and one of your friends is on a five point GPA. No, that means that person has not tasted a B in their life, you know. And then you have this other friend too, who had failed a lot. But now, it's getting better grades. Which of the two will you be more prone to meet? You go to the one who can relate to failure in that regard. Do you understand? You'll be like, this person has experiences. this. person would probably understand better. You, with your five points, yeah, you might give some general, generalistic advice, but you won't really understand me as much as this guy. This guy knows what it's like to fail, and probably can understand better, and give me a more Practical solution. The good news is this. We have a God that can relate. We, we can trust this God because he can relate. And I'll prove it to you. Hebrews chapter 4 from verse 15. Just open there very quickly with me. It's a powerful scripture. It's one that touches me every time I listen to it and read it. It touches me so much. Hebrews chapter 4 from verse 15. It says, For we have not an high priest... Which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But was in all points tempted like as we are. Yet without sin. He says we have a high priest who understands. Who can relate to our weaknesses and our infirmities. He was like us. He was tempted in every way like we were tempted. The good news is that he succeeded. He was tempted but he was without sin. So it's different if he was tempted and he yielded to sin. What makes him different? (laughs) Why should we go to someone who has failed? He was tempted. He went through the struggles, but he escaped every time. He came out victorious every time. And he is the best person to teach us how to be victorious. (laughs) Amen. Do you understand that? He can relate. And then verse 16 now says, let us come boldly to him, to his throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy. And find grace to help in time of need. That is the idea of the relatableness of God. He's, He's not a distant high priest, a distant God who is not involved, who just watches us on his flat screen TV, doing whatever we want. He's involved. He understands. He's been there. He became a man. He became a man to prove to you that he understands. And then he knows the way out. Praise the name of Jesus. So you can trust him. He's that friend that understands. Glory to God. Number four, and and someone needs to hear this from my lips. You are priority to him. You are priority to him. That's why you can trust him. You are priority to him. Matthew chapter six. I'm going to read this very quickly. Matthew chapter six, very powerful scripture. We're gonna read from verse 25. Can you open your Bibles very quickly? Matthew chapter 6, from verse 25. Glory to God. Glory to God. Are you are you learning anything so far? I hope you are. I hope you are. Verse 25. I need everyone to be with me on this one. Therefore, I say unto you, I I love this scripture. Like, you know, all those movies where you know you have different characters in the movies. And everyone is up and about and, and you know, very serious with life. But there's this friend who is just like chillaxing, who has this beanie that he's wearing, you know, carries his skateboard and just, yo, bro, chillax, dude. You know, dude, chillax, though. Don't stress it, man. You know, the one that's just cool, you know, like a hippie. I feel like... <laughs> <laughs> when I read the scripture, that's exactly, and I, I mean no blasphemous statements. I saying it, but I feel like that's how Jesus would have been. Like when I read the scripture, that's the picture that comes to my mind. It's like the old dude, chill, relax, man. Like, bro, don't take any thought for your life, or what you eat, or what you drink. Like, bro, don't think about that stuff. Like, just chill. I feel that's the tone with which he said, it. because the, the idea that you have of, 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 that many people have of Jesus is this uptight fellow who is too serious, you know, who always stresses about everything every time. But it's the exact opposite he's presenting to us here. It says, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. So your clothes, food, shelter, Don't think about it. Is not the the life more than meat and the body more than raiment, than clothes? There's more to life is trying to say. Verse 26, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap. They don't plant, they're not farmers, they don't don't even gather food into barns, but yet your heavenly Father feeds them. They always somehow find food to eat. And he says are you not much better than they (laughs) he's introducing the concept of priority here if there are these fowls of the air birds of the air who are feeding somehow they don't even work for it are you not of much priority higher priority higher value than they He's telling you look have a mind renewal about your perspective perspective that you have of God towards you renew your mind verse 27 which of you by taking thoughts can add one cubit unto his stature and why you take thought of raiment consider the lilies of the field how they grow but they don't work they don't toil neither do they spin and yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these he was just saying looking with these lilies and the flowers you see around us show arrayed beautifully. Even Solomon could not be that. Yet God did it for these things, even when they didn't work for it. Verse 30. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today and tomorrow is cast into the oval, like this thing is volatile. People can pluck these things off, but God takes his time to adorn them so beautifully. He says, how much shall he not much more clothe you Oh, ye of little faith. This is the concept here again. Faith. And when you say little faith, remember when you say little faith, it doesn't mean you have sufficient faith that it's just small level that your faith. No, that's not what it means. Little faith means absence of faith. Oh ye of little faith. Verse 31. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Oh, well, let me say it the right way. Therefore, dude, take no thought, saying what shall you eat or where will you drink or what will you wear, dude. That's like too much to handle, right? Verse 32. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. He tells you that this is the priority of Gentiles, those who are estranged from God. This is what they think about. What can we, what do, we do to survive and make ends meet? But not you, for your heavenly father knows that you have need of all these things. Someone say priority. You are priority to God. He knows your needs. Verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Verse 34. Say this with me in the chillax, the most chillax tone you can think of. Verse 34. I want to go. Therefore, dude, take therefore no thought for tomorrow. For tomorrow shall, like, take thought for itself, like, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof, right, dude? Okay. (laughs) Awesome. You did it. You made it. Awesome. But you get the point. It's like, even tomorrow, don't think about tomorrow. Today has enough problems of its own. When tomorrow comes, I'll be on my own. No, that's the wrong song. Sorry. When tomorrow comes, (laughs) tomorrow will fend for itself. And in fact, God will fend for you tomorrow. The, the whole teaching here highlights three things, right? That, first of all, get rid of anxiety. Don't worry too much. You can't add anything to your life by worrying. Number two, you are actually priority to God. Like, he prioritizes you. You're more valuable than the birds of the air and the grass of the field. And then it also means that what? You can trust God. You can trust the one who prioritizes you who puts you first ladies in the house and you know what it means like when when this guy that that you like so much starts to give you all the attention and maybe you, you know you were you were on a call with him and someone calls him that i ah, have bro let's do this this,", this. i think no no chill i'm on a call with someone i'm talking to someone right now please we can do that thing another time how does that feel like oh, he prioritizes me, right? Oh my God, he's giving me all this attention. You like it, be honest, you like it. it. It just feels good. And you know that you can trust that no matter what come what may, that person will always put you first. That is how our relationship with God is. He is trustworthy. Romans 8 verse 32 says something very similar. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up, For us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Like God put you so high in his priority list. You are number one. Put you there, sent his son to bring salvation, but also with him can provide your needs. Because through salvation, you become a child. And what father does not take care of his child? That's the point, your priority, you're a child of the father. And so what that means is that you can trust him with your whole heart. Brothers and sisters, you can trust God. You can actually trust God with everything that you have. See, no matter where you are, God can make such a mighty giant out of you because of your faith. You can bring big things out of your faith. Because he has sent you to do something and you trusted him even when you had no resources, you had no support. He can make a a, a giant out of you. He can build an an empire out of you. That's the God that we serve. He's the God who brought a man who was barren with his wife for so long and made him the father of nations because of his faith. It's still the same God. He hasn't changed. He needs your faith, people of God. You can actually trust God. Listen to me. You can trust God in everything. doesn't matter how long it's been or what delay has been. Remember, if you pray, He says whenever you pray, believe that you have received what you have asked for. Someone who has received a package, maybe you sent in an order on Amazon.com. And, oh, I just did some brand advertisement. Uh, okay, cool. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> Imagine you, you order on Amazon, right? And then you send in your order, you pay for it, and it arrives. If you've received it, you act like you received it because you have received it, right? It's yours. It's with your in your care. You're not going to go back on on your pla- on the platform and check where's the shipment, how far has it gone? Because you know it's it's yours. There's a mindset. There's a mindset of rest when you have received something it's similar to what god wants and expects of us if you've prayed it and you believed it act like you've received it it's not a pretense thing it's not a fake it till you make it it's a faith it till you see it that's what it is it's a faith it till you make it and god wants that we put all our eggs in his basket because he is trustworthy he's the safest place for you to be in in this world there's no one you can trust more than you can trust god Because faithful is he that promised. Right now, maybe there's someone here who has diminished God in their hearts. And maybe they've lost hope on a certain thing. You've been in this vicious cycle and it's ongoing. And it feels like there's no escape and there's no way out. I want to encourage you and tell you right now that God is faithful. And with your faith, as little as a mustard seed, it can produce far more greater results than you can ever imagine. Remember at the end of the day, you're dealing with a God who does exceeding and abundantly above all that you can ask or think. He's still that same God. He is actively working. He's intentional about you. You remain a priority to him for the rest of your life. Praise the name of Jesus. Can you just take this to God in prayer right now? And I want you to just express your faith to God in prayer right now. Maybe there are some things you have prayed to God about. Maybe you've been praying to God about your relocation, about your academics, your spiritual life, This habit, provision, whatever it is, look, it's that blank of a check. It's it's so vast. All you need to do right now, you need to trust God and pray like you've received what you've asked for. Remember, he said, if anyone says to this mountain, be removed, I shall not doubt in their heart, but believe. they receive what they've asked it shall be given unto him can you talk like someone who is confident who knows that god can do exceeding abundantly above come on just express faith right now if there's obstruction of doubt in your mind drop it off right now strip yourself let the word of god you have received strip you of all doubt strip you of every skepticism Would it really work? Will God really show up? He will. So right now, focus all your energy... And all your trust in Him. Just put all your eggs in His basket. God, I trust you. This thing I've been hoping for and praying for, in the name of Jesus, I have received it. It is done, it is settled. Come on, pray with that kind of confidence. Pray with that kind of confidence. Come on, pray as seriously as you can right now. Whatever it is, you can trust God. I know that thing has lingered for so long, but you can trust God. I know that disease has stayed more long, has stayed longer than it should have. Pray still; it can be healed completely. Don't be one that the Lord will look at it and say, "Oh, you of little faith." Be the one that God will commend for their faith. Brane so bramti shapandes King kindi di karindo kumbro o tu shapam ba kandi irindi atu sombro o shapan enge kindikatas. di proko o frankinde kera kera diabandesoku. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, express your faith in the Lord. express in the little things as well in the things that you might feel like god doesn't think about he knows you have need of these things but when you pray you express your trust when you pray you express your humility that god without you i can't attain to this thing so i need your help and I trust in you fully. I commit to you fully. In the name of Jesus, brumba kande vrekindi saara tinembos bruko potonde keria de banande korusto pandete teneme nde kosa jipeteke de betene de betos bruko kumbra atande sendengi vrando chumut utus. Come on, pray. Few more seconds, few more seconds. Pray, 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 pray. Oh, thank you, Daddy. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Thank you, Lord and precious Father in heaven. We thank you. Thank you because you are trustworthy. Thank you because in all things we can beat our chest knowing that you are faithful that promised. Come what may we will remain unshaken, unmovable in the name of Jesus. We trust you because you can relate, because you are faithful, because you never change Because you are able to give us all that we have asked because we are priority to you. Thank you, Jesus. We renew our commitment and faith to you. We hold fast the profession of our faith from now till you return in the name of Jesus. Lord, we are making a statement with our lives that nothing is impossible for us because we trust in you. making a statement in our lives our words our actions that nothing is impossible to us people might think we are crazy but we know nothing is impossible to us who believe thank you Jesus with God all things are possible thank you Lord because with you all things are possible it might seem absurd it might go against policy oh but Lord With you, all things are possible. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Father. We bless your name for you have blessed us in your son in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen, amen. Someone who has a note of victory, shout it loud. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. I am super confident that this has been a blessing to you. Keep praying with it. And let these words drive you to action to live in the fullness of the will of God for your life. Stick around for more. God bless you. I love you.